Jesus, put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, we may be seated in the presence of God this morning. Hallelujah. I want to welcome everybody to church this morning, including our online viewers. Praise God. Um, it's a raining morning in Lagos. Hallelujah. I don't know what's happening on your own side of the planet if you're watching us online, but it's raining here. And I believe that um, it's likely going to be raining in different parts of Lagos. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, once again, I welcome us to church this morning. This is Love's Domain Family Assembly. And we welcome you powerfully to this morning service. Um, today is the last Sunday in the month of August for us. And um, it also doubles to be our partnership Sunday and also our casual service. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, so you will see that almost everybody who had come up to take prayers, for prayers, to worship, exaltation, and all of that, everybody is dressed down. Praise God. Because every last Sunday of the month, we dress down uh, to come to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Then the first Sunday, we come in our natives. Praise God. In our Abaddon all and our Gili. Praise God. To bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, this morning I want us to continue uh, from where we stopped last month, um, Partnership Sunday. Um, I think last month I was, if I remember very well, I, sh I think I should be in Akure, praise God. That was where I taught from uh, last month, Partnership Sunday. And it was such an amazing time uh, in God's presence, praise God. And this morning, I just want us to continue uh, in that spirit. I'd like us to pick up our Bibles this morning and open to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, that was the scripture that we dealt with last week. I mean, last Sunday uh, in the month of um, um, July. Praise God. Hallelujah. And this morning, you know, I'm just falling in love more and more with the passion translation praise god so if you have your mobile device um, or your android and all of that praise god hallelujah you can just go to the passion translation and if you can also have the passion translation on the screen it will not be uh, a bad idea praise god hallelujah but just make sure your mobile device anything that pops up you don't click on it praise god <laughs> hallelujah amen all right are we there in first corinthians chapter 9 all right i can't hear everybody's voice so i'm going to wait for us first corinthians chapter 9 let's run there quickly are you are you with us mark are you with us first corinthians chapter 9 if you're there now let me hear you say loud amen, amen. glory to god all right i'm going to begin to read from verse 1 now these are the writings of our dear brother paul he said am i not completely free and unrestrained now you see that that first statement ends with a question mark he said am i not completely free and unrestrained then he answered he said absolutely which means i have a right to be free 
And I also have the right to be what? To be unrestrained. Then he went further. He said, am I not an apostle? Praise God. Now he began to ask another question. Now I remember last month I told us that when you look at most of the writings of Paul, especially his introduction, he always comes from an angle of trying to affirm his apostleship. Praise God. And I told us the reason why. The reason is because Paul was not among the original apostles that walked with Jesus, the 12 apostles. Praise God. Of which one of them died, committed suicide in the person of Judas. Are you following me? Now, Paul was not among them. Apart from the fact that he was not among them, the introduction of Paul to us, who was originally Saul, was a man who was a persecutor of the church. Are you listening to me? That was the first introduction of Paul to us. As a persecutor of the church, we saw him where Stephen was being stoned to death. And the Bible recorded that he was the one that gathered the clothes of the people. Praise God. The people who wanted to stone Stephen to death. He was the one that helped the people to hold their garments. So that they would be able to stone Stephen effectively. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And the next thing we were going to read about him was that he went into the temple, the synagogue, and he went to the high priest, and he got a letter from the governors with the intent of going to Damascus to go and kill the other apostles. Glory to God. So, and he had an encounter on the way of Damascus. Then he became converted. Glory to God. And from there, he began to study scriptures and Jesus began to minister to him. And his eyes of understanding was being enlightened, glory to God. And there were revelations that were given to him by Jesus directly that he needed to share with the church. Are you following me? But somebody who had such an history, there's a likelihood that people will doubt the authenticity of his apostleship. Are you following me? Because even for the while, there was a point in time when he got to the house of Agabus, I think. When he got there, I think the instruction was that the people should, as much as Paul said he has changed, the instruction was they should still be careful with him. They should continue to watch him, praise God. So that maybe it's not like he's pretending so that he will find a way, you know, to kill all of them, praise God. Hallelujah. So somebody like that who had such a background, whenever he speaks, because of the doubt in the minds of a lot of people, you will find him always trying to affirm his apostleship. If I were you read in the book of Galatians, he, 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 he affirmed his apostleship to a point that he said to them that I'm not an apostle by man. I was not appointed by men. Glory to God. That the same way Jesus appointed the first 12 was the same way that Jesus also appointed him. Glory to God. Because on the way of Damascus, he actually had an encounter with Jesus. Are you following me? So here he is again, and he's asking a question. That am I also not what? An apostle. Now from the person translation, I continue. He said, of course, of course I am an apostle. He said, haven't I had a personal encounter with our Jesus face to face and I continue to see him? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, that still ends with a question mark. 
Because Paul was still trying to make them realize that, see, I also had an encounter. As much as Jesus, I mean, as much as Peter, James, John, Philip, and the other disciples had an encounter with Jesus, they saw Jesus, they walked with Jesus. Are you following me? Paul also said, I also had an encounter with him. It may not have been in the flesh like the others did, but I had an encounter with him. And you see, the encounter was not just a one-time encounter. I continued to see him. Or oh, are you listening to me? I continue to see him. So, my experience with Jesus is a continuous one. Now, it's a question. He said, haven't I had a personal encounter with Jesus face to face and continue to see him? Then he answered, he said, emphatically, yes. Then he said, aren't you all the proof of my ministry in the Lord? When you read that from the King James, he said, you, are you not the proof of what? Of my apostleship. That's what he said. That see, even if you don't believe that I've had an encounter and I continue to see the Lord, even if you don't believe that I am an apostle, even if you do not believe that I'm free and unrestrained, glory to God, he said that everyone seated in the Corinthian church, he said they are the proof of his apostleship. The proof that God called him. The proof that they had an encounter with Jesus. The proof that he continued to see Jesus. The proof of his ministry. Glory to God. In other words, I believe so strongly that everyone who sat in the Corinthian church had a very strong uh, affiliation, somehow, some way, with Paul. Are you listening to me? Their conversion was not behind Paul. Are you listening to me? So, he said that everyone who sat in that church, they were the proof of what? Of his apostleship. But it was a question. He said, aren't you all the proof of my ministry in the Lord? Then he went ahead and answered, certainly. Then he said, if others do not recognize me as the apostle, at least you are bound to do so. Glory to God. He said, I love this particular writing. Praise God. He said, if everybody refused to see me as an apostle, if everybody refused to accept my ministry, if everybody refused to see me the way they're supposed to see me in the light of someone who is called by God, he said, because you had the proof of my apostleship, he said, I believe that you all should see me as a what? As an apostle. Glory to God. Now let's continue to read. I'll read that again. He said, if others do not recognize me as the apostle, at least you are bound to do so. For now, your lives are joined to the Lord. You are the living proof, the certificate of my apostleship. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He said, these men are the certificate of his apostleship. You see, when you go to school and they ask you, did you go to school? I say, yes, I went to school. Then they ask you for the proof. The proof that you went to school is not because you said it. Are you following me? It's because you have a certificate. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Paul said, I am an apostle. And you guys are the proof, the certificate. The certificate. Glory to God. The proof that you have your, your changing life, the evidence of your transformed life is the certificate of my apostleship. Now let's go for that. We're now in verse 3. He said, so, 
those who want to continually criticize my apostolic ministry, he said, here is my statement of defense. Now, did you see that? Now, you can remember what I was talking about earlier, about people not wanting to accept his ministry because of his background. So, all that is said from the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, up until this point, was a statement of defense. Are you listening to me? A statement of defense of his apostleship. That even if you don't want to accept that I'm an apostle, look at the people whose lives have been changed. Look at the people whose life have been transformed. These people are the proof of my apostleship. Are you following me? Come on, are you listening to me? So, it was a statement of defense. Now, let's go further in verse 4. He said, don't we apostles have the right to be supported financially? Now, he began to ask another question. He said, don't we apostles have a right to be supported financially? Now, this time around, Paul begins to narrow it down. To support for the minister of the ministry. Are you listening to me? Because you see, you can support the ministry and not support the minister. But you see, the ministry will not run effectively without a support for the minister who runs the ministry. Come on, are you listening to me? Because if the minister has to think about a whole lot of things before he can focus on the work of the ministry, then the ministry is going to be affected. Are you listening to me? So Paul said, he said, don't we, don't we, he said, don't we apostles have a right to be supported financially? Now I told us earlier in one of the series that we've been running for a partnership Sunday, how we live in a time where a lot of things are upside down. And it's because a lot of people have not been taught well the word of God. You see people come on social media, you see the newspaper, people saying a whole lot of things about pastors, about ministers, glory to God. Now you see, some of those things, sincerely I agree with them. Or oh, are you listening to me? Because sincerely there's a lot of excesses within the body of Christ. Like a man who has four jets already, four, four jets, and he wants to buy a fifth one. Glory to God. He has four already, and he wants to buy a fifth one without selling the four. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so I believe there are excesses within the body of Christ. But you see, one of the challenges that we have is the fact that in order to correct those excesses, people go also to the extreme. Oh, do you understand what I'm talking about? In order to correct the excesses, in order to correct one extreme to the right, the people that want to, you know, you see, if you're going to correct an extreme, what you should do is bring the people to the place of balance. But the problem is that people now stretch it, they first bring it to the place of balance, but before you know it, they take it to the extreme also. And you can't use an extreme to fight an extreme because both of you will be extremists. Oh, come on, do you understand what I'm talking about? One of you will be extremist. You're trying to correct this person. And you go to the extreme. You're trying to correct somebody who went to the extreme. Then you yourself went to the extreme. One of you are extremists. One on the left and one on the right. <laughs> are you listening to me this morning? So you find a lot of criticism for pastors. Some people don't even know 
what pastors are meant to do. Are they supposed to work? Are they not supposed to work? Are they supposed to be taking salary from the ministry? Are they not supposed to take? Are members supposed to? I mean, a whole lot of these things have been modeled up. Are you listening to me? And it needs to be corrected because, and the only way we can correct it is to go through the word of God. What does the word of God has to say about these things? Are you following me this morning? So he said, don't we apostles have a right to be supported financially? It was a question. Then he went further again. He said, don't we have a right to travel accompanied by our believing wives and be supported as a couple as the other apostles? Glory to God. Now, I need to clarify this particular place for us before we read further. Hallelujah. Now, Paul said, don't we as an apostle have a right to travel with our wives and also be supported even as a couple? As we go, as the other apostles. Now, the reason why I said as the other apostles was because Paul was not married until he left the face of the earth. Are you listening to me? He was not married. He gave all of his time and all of his life to the Lord. He was passionate for the calling of God upon his life. He had no time to be married. Praise God. When you read about him talking about marriage, I think that should be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, I wish all men would be like me. And he said the reason why he wishes they will be like him is because when you are not married, your entire life can be dedicated to the Lord. He said, but the moment you get married, now he's not saying that marriage is bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? But he's trying to say that the moment you get married, there's going to be some level of division when it comes to your devotion to God. And I mean, I mean that's, that's clear enough. Praise God. When I was not married to my wife, there are some things I could do back then. I can pick up my bag now, 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 now. And I say I'm going to Kaduna to preach like now, now, now. Praise God. But right now, even if I'm going to go, I'll need to consult her. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I need to consult her. She needs to be able to release me. Praise God. As a man of God, you know, my blessing is with you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? She needs to be able to release me. As a man of God, the, my, my blessings are with you. Just, just go. I you know when your wife releases you and says the blessing is with you, ah, miracles will happen. You understand what I'm talking about? Miracles everywhere. Healings everywhere. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So Paul said, I wish everybody would be like me. He said, but see, for the sake of people who cannot hold their body together, he said, let every man go and get married. Do you understand? So one of the reasons for marriage is because you cannot hold your body together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. glory. Oh, I didn't hear that. Come on, somebody say glory. Uh, it's, one of the essence of, it's one of the essence of marriage. So if you're going to get married, praise God. You see, we did a teaching on the WhatsApp group on Friday, sex in marriage. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you get married. So if you know you're not ready for that, then please don't, you know, because you find men, not just men, men and women. Now in that WhatsApp group some weeks ago, people were posting about two different couples. A couple where the wife was always giving excuse when it comes to issue of sex. Always giving excuse. I'm tired. I'm this one. I'm this one. Is it food? Praise God. Have you heard some women say it to their husband? Ah, uh, Jenny. Is it food? Praise God. 
and there was also something posted. <laughs> there was also something posted, you know, in that same group where it was also the husband that was always coming up with excuse. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is one of the reasons for marriage. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, is one of the reasons for marriage. Oh, say like you mean it now. It's one of the reasons for marriage. Yes, it's one of the reasons for marriage. So let, let's, let's just go on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So he said, don't we have a right to be accompanied by our believing wives? And also be supported as a couple, as do the other apostles. He said, such as Peter the Rock and the Lord's brothers. That means Peter was married. The other apostles were married. Are you listening to me? Uh-huh. And, you know, according to history of the church and all of that, they said Peter was the first pope of the church. Have you heard about that? Praise God. Uh-huh. And you know the pope of these days, they don't get married. But the first pope was married. He had a wife. I said glory to God. Oh, you didn't hear? I said glory to God. The first pope was married. In fact, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. When he went to Peter's house, his mother-in-law was sick. Jesus healed the mother-in-law. The first pope was married. He had a wife. I don't know why the one of today does not have a wife. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But the first one had a wife. Now look at verse 6. He said, of course we do. He said, or is it not only Barnabas and I who have no right to stop working for a living? Now this is also another critical point that we examined last month that I also need to lay emphasis on again this morning. He said, don't I am Barnabas also have a right to stop working for a living as the others. So it means Paul was not married. The other apostles were what? They were married. Are you listening to me? What it means is that with this last question I read, it means Paul was working, but the other apostles were not. They were not working. In fact, the business they had that they were running before, Jesus called them away from that business. Come on, did you read it from scripture? He called them away from that business. He said, follow me. And at some point, Peter had to ask. I said, oh God, <laughs> we've left our household. We left our business. We left everything. What's going to really be our benefits? And Jesus said, the first thing is that you need to rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. He said, but you see, beyond that, in this life, before you die, you will earn so much benefit even before you leave. Are you listening to me? And this is very critical because these are times, I mean, it's, it's almost everywhere. You see people who are angry at the way pastors live. Now, like I said, I believe there are excesses to these things on the part of pastors. Glory to God. But like I said, you don't correct an extreme with another extreme. You don't come and say, because pastors uh, live excessively, and because you think that they live on the tithe and the offering and the givings of people to buy jets, praise God, you now feel like, okay, now the ministry should be the ministry. The pastor should go and walk and earn his own living like the other church members. Are you listening to me? Because we don't collect an extreme with another extreme. Paul said, I am Barnabas. Don't we have a right to also stop working? As the others are doing. So it shows that. And you see one of the examples that people use. 
when it comes to pastors should go and get a work. They should go and get a job too. Do nine, uh, is it nine to five now? Do nine to five. Blah 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 blah. They say they will say by the time they will round it up, they say Paul had a business. Is that not what they will say? They will say Paul had a business that he was a tent maker, and Paul here was saying. That see, of course we do. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to stop working for a living? Now, if Barnabas and Paul were working to sustain themselves, the other apostles that were not working, how were they sustained? Oh, come on, talk to me. How were they sustained? And Paul began to explain further how they were sustained. Now let's read verse 7. He said, Who serves in the military as his own expense? You see, I love, I love. You see, when you read the King James, sometimes it looks, this thing looks cloudy, looks shady. Praise God. And that's why I just, I just fell in love with the Passion Translation these days. He just makes it clear. He said, Who is that one that serves in the military at his own expense? I remember when I was sharing this last month, I told us that maybe, maybe only in Nigeria. Maybe only in Nigeria. Do people serve in the military at their own expense? Because in Nigeria, military, you buy your own uniform. Even the uniform they will give you will have issues. Praise God. It's either it will jump or made of low quality materials. I mean, something will go wrong. I remember one of the complaints of the soldiers who were sent to Sambisa Forest those days was their boots, the sole of their boots were falling off as they were marching through the forest. Because the man they gave the contract to wants to corner as much money as he can. So he went and bought fake. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, how will I be in the forest fighting for my life when a bullet can hit me at any time? And I'm now concerned about my shoe in the face of bullets. Do you, do, I don't know, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. My shoe falling off. But the normal standard, the normal protocol for military all over the world is that nobody goes into the military and serve at his own expense. He's not expected to spend one cobble of his own money to serve. Are you listening to me? And you will, it will interest you that as much as, 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 should I say as much as, you know, even as low as people who join NDA. You know, when you join NDA, Nigerian Defense Academy, for example, you're a student. You're like a student in the university. You understand? But as a student in NDA, you're being paid allowance. I believe you know that. Come on, I believe you know that. If you don't know that, you better know it now. As a student, you're being paid allowance, monthly allowance. Your uniforms are given to you. Everything is given to you. Unlike the normal conventional university where you will pay school fees, Praise God. Your parents will send you pocket money. You will buy your own clothes, buy your own shoe. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? In NDA, they feed you. You don't pay for feeding. You don't. Everything for you there is free. Then they pay you allowance as a student for four years. So no man joins the military at his own expense. The military takes care of you because in the military, it is expected that you are coming for a service to serve your nation to the point that you are ready to give your life for the nation. Are you listening to me? 
No man. No man serves in the military as his own expense. Then he asks another question. He said, who plants a vineyard and does not enjoy the grapes for himself? Now, who is that man? Who is that farmer that will plant? And will not have expectation that from what I planted, I'm going to eat from it. Have you ever seen a farmer who is planting before? And they ask him, why are you planting? He said, I'm just planting. Why are you planting yam? I'm just planting yam. Do you have a plan to eat out of it? No, I'm just planting yam. Do you have a plan to sell it, make money, and buy things for yourself? No, I'm just planting yam. Have you met such a farmer before? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just doing it. I'm doing it for the Lord. <laughs> Gabriel, have you met one before? The guy is planting. Just, I'm just planting. He will have a large expanse of land, of rice. And they will ask him, what do you want to do with the rice? Are you going to eat out of it? Are you going to feed your family? He said, no, I'm just planting it. Then they say, okay, maybe you don't want to eat out of it. Do you intend to sell it so that you can have money for yourself? He said, no, I'm just planting it. Have you met such a farmer before? Every farmer plants with expectation in their hearts. Are you listening to this? Every farmer plants with an expectation that out of that which I'm planting, even if he doesn't have a plan to eat out of it, he has a plan to turn that thing which is planting into money. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't just plant because I feel like planting. So he was asking a question, who is that man that will plant a vineyard and will not enjoy the grapes for himself? In fact, every farmer, most times, they are the first partaker of what they have done. If I plant rice, I'll be the first person to cook it and see how, is, how did the rice turn out. If I plant maize, I'll be among the first people to tear the cobs and boil it. Ask my wife, boil it. Let, let's have a taste. Is it really good? Every farmer partakes of whatever they plant. Then he asked another question. He said, who will nurture and shepherd the flock and never get to drink of his fresh milk? Who is that person that will take care of a sheep? And the sheep produces milk for you. And you never get to drink out of it. You just produce milk. And so what do you want to do with the milk? I just produce milk. Do you want to drink it? No, I just produced it. Do you want to sell it to make money? No, I just produced it. He said, who is that shepherd that will nurture and shepherd the flock and never to drink of his first meat? Then he said, am I merely giving you my own opinions or does the Torah teach the same things? Now look up for a moment. Paul said, these, thing I'm, these questions I'm asking, are, are they just my mere opinions? Am I just saying it because, hallelujah, glory to God. You know, over the years I've been skeptical, not I've been skeptical, but I've barely thought on giving over the years. Sincerely, I've, I've, because when it comes to that angle, I'm just not, I, I just feel like everybody should know what to do. Praise God. But I discovered that that's, that's, that's actually wrong. Glory to God. Because the people need to be taught right from the word of God. Because this is also part of the word of God. Are you listening to me? So, when you, when I begin to, you know, one of the reasons I've been skeptical over the years is because, you know, you just look at like, 
I mean, I bet maybe people no go they think say, maybe people no go they think say, maybe you know, and maybe people no go they think say, there's a whole lot that is happening. Praise God. Even the people who are fighting given to the church today is because they were never taught right. They were never taught right. So he said, what I'm sharing, is it just my personal opinion? Because when a man of God comes and takes the mic and he begins to preach about giving, the first thing that comes to the mind of the people is, oh, the guy won't collect our money. That's what comes to their mind. And a lot of people feel like maybe he wants to buy the next private jet. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants to buy, he wants to buy another jet. That's why he's talking about giving. But that's not it. Because Paul also was saying here that these things I'm sharing, am I just sharing my opinion? Is it just what I think? Or does the Torah also talks about these things? Now the Torah talks about the book of the law. The book of the law. All the laws of God in the Old Testament. He said, am I just sharing my opinion? Or is it that the book of the law also teach these same things. Now look at what he said. In verse 9, he said, For it is written in the law of Moses, you should never muzzle over the mouth of an ox while he's treading out the corn. That means, even in the law of God, what God says is that the ox that tread out the corn, you don't muzzle it. That means you don't treat that ox anyhow now for us to understand what i'm saying you have a you have a horse who you use on your farm or don't let me use us you have a cow praise god for those of us that did agriculture when we we're in secondary school praise god hallelujah you have a cow that you used to plow the ground you know you know there's always this stuff that they attach to the cow then the cow begins to move and drives the plow do you understand? That's what the cattle does. Now, according to the law of God, the law of God says that you see that cattle that is driving that plow on your farm, you don't treat it anyhow. Because if you treat that cow anyhow, at some point, number one, the first thing is the, its energy level is going to drop. Then after a while, if you continue to stab it, it's going to die. And when he dies, what happens to the walk? Come on, talk to me. What happens to the walk? The walk stops. So the law says that, you see, God is so detailed when it comes to the law in the Old Testament that even animals were not left out. Because some people would treat the animal anyhow. They would, they would treat the, you understand? They will even beat it when it's not moving. Meanwhile, they've not given it food that they Do you understand what I'm talking about? They've not given it food. Like somebody said that most of the people who castigate given on social media, they are the people that give the least in their church. That the people who give the least in any church are the people who always come and say, Pastor, bring the church account. Let's know how you are spending money. <laughs> you said I'm right. That the ones who come, let's see, let's see. We need to know what's going on in the church account. But check their own records of what they are giving. They give the littlest. Oh, am I right? Did I, did I say that right? So he said, do not muzzle the ox that tread out the corn. Because as long as you continue to take care of the ox, it will have the power, it will have the energy to continue to drive the work. 
So you must take care of it. In fact, you must pamper it. Are you listening to me? I was in Akure last week on our way back from Kuala and we're visiting a friend. I am Pastor Stanley Zadok. And when we're about to enter their house, there was this gate, small gate house. Oh! The, the window of the gate house was vibrating. I'm telling you. You need to see the head of this dog. I think it was a boa bull or what? I'm forgetting the brand, the, the species of dog. Big, massive, as in, I'm sure if they release that dog. But he told her, he said, they, they can't, they can, he said, whenever any other person is in that compound, they dare not release that dog. That dog said, I can't handle him. He said, when I take him out, he said, the chain, he said, they brought, you know, this chain, this long chain that they used to close gates. He said, they bought it. They, they first bought the normal dog chain. He broke it as if it just, as if it just walked like this. The thing just broke. Pa! Then they bought that gate chain. He broke it. They bought several chains. He broke it until they had to import a dog chain that has no joining. That's the only one that can hold it. And he said, when he wants to walk the dog in the compound, he cannot even try walk it outside the compound. He didn't the compound. He said he would take the chain, wrap the chain around himself like two times. Yeah. Powerful, powerful dog. You need to see the energy. Then they have another Rottweiler in the compound. He said there was a time that dog almost killed the Rottweiler. You can know how fierce a Rottweiler is. He said so at night, when they release the two of them, when they go to, they release the two of them in the compound. He said the Rottweiler, even though they've released it, stays very close to his cage. It doesn't, it doesn't just move around the compound. Because that one will kill it. It will kill <laughs> But if you know how well taken care of this dog is, what he eats, do you know what I'm talking about? What he eats. Ah, you can't jump the fence into that compound, though. You are dead, though. I'm telling you the truth. You are, de you are dead. So what is protecting them, they must take care of adequately. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I mean, how would you have a car? Who drive, a car that moves you around and you don't spend money on maintaining the car. After a while, it will break down. It will not move again. Are you listening to me? So people tell people that it's not about buying a car. You must think of the maintenance before you buy the car. Because maintaining a car, a lot of times, is more expensive than buying the car. Because if you don't maintain the car, it's going to break down somewhere along the line. Just to bring it home. Because, you know, in the days of Paul, it was agriculture that was, that was rampant. So the best he could use was an ox. Are you listening to me? You must not muzzle the ox that tread out the corn. You must take care of the ox for the treading of the corn to continually happen on your farm. You don't treat the ox anyhow. Then he went further. He said, tell me, is God only talking about ox in here? Don't forget I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 1. We're now in verse, verse 9. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. He said, tell me, is God only talking about ox in here? Now, he's trying to say that, okay, now I've told you about the ox. That you must take care of while he's treading the corn. He now says that when God made that law, was he only talking about animals? 
What's he only talking about? See, I've cited several examples here now. I've talked about dog. I've talked about cars. So if I can talk about inanimate things in quotes, like car, there are much more human beings. He said, tell me, is God only talking about, 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 about oxen here? Now look at verse 10. He said, doesn't he also give us this principle so that we won't withhold support from his workers? Did you see that? He said, this principle, did God only give us because of oxen? Or is it also in relation to support for his workers, God's workers? The people who do the work of God. Is it also in relation to them? Let's go further. He said, it was written so that we will understand that the one spiritually plowing and spiritually trading out the corn also labors with the expectation of enjoying the harvest. Oh, I said I love this translation. It drives it home. He said the one who is spiritually plowing and treading out the corn is also doing it with what? With the expectation of enjoying the harvest. He's not just blessing you because, you know, I just want to bless you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, even if he wants, even if he's saying it to you, there's a part of him that expects that you will take care of him. Do you understand what I'm talking about? There's a part of him. Nobody just wakes up and does anything. Do you just wake up and go to your shop? And say, I'm going to sew clothes of every, for everybody today. And they say, why are you sewing clothes? He said, I'm just sewing clothes. I just like sewing clothes. I just, you know. Christabel just, just, you know. We just, we, just, we just like sewing clothes. So everybody loves the main family assembly Lagos. Just bring your clothes. We just like sewing clothes. Are we going to pay? No, you don't need to pay. We just like sewing clothes. Uh-huh, you see? Even the business people say, even give away is a strategy. I just, I just, I just like sewing clothes. Why are you sewing? I just like sewing clothes. Are you going to collect money? No, I don't collect money. I just like sewing clothes. He said the one who sows spiritually, plowing, and spiritually treading out the corn, also labors with the expectation of enjoying the harvest. Look at verse 11. He said, so if we have sowed many spiritual gifts among you, is it too much to expect to reap material gifts from you? I like this. He said, if we are, well, you read from the King James. He said, if we have blessed you, let, let me quickly read it uh, from the King James here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Oh, I didn't hear. I said, glory to God. Now look at verse 11, King James. He said, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, things, is it a great thing if we shall reap of your carnal things? Praise God. You know, I told us, you know, King James is somehow, he said, carnal things. If we have sown to you spiritual things, is it not good that we reap also from your carnal things? Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Do you understand what he's saying here? The one who plows spiritually, who tread out the corn, labors with an expectation. And Paul said, if we have sold to you many spiritual gifts, is it too much to expect to reap material gifts from you? He said, if you have supported others, don't we rightfully deserve this privilege even more? Now, you see, where this, what this place is saying is that, you see, you'll find out that one of the things that Paul was addressing in the Corinthian church is that the Corinthian church, in a way, were supporting some people, but they were not supporting the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. Are you listening to me? Even though they were the proof of his apostleship. They were giving money to others. But they were not supporting Paul and Barnabas. And Paul will say, ah, ah, if we are sold to you spiritual things, is it a crime for us to end of your, of, of, your, of your carnal things? Is it a crime? Because like I said earlier, you see, the one who drives the ministry must be taken care of lest he breaks down and the ministry that he intends to run Stops running. Oh, come on. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Like I said, I agree. There are excesses on part of ministers. But when you find a minister who is sincere, with a sincere heart, for the gospel and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, then it deserves your maximum support. Oh, are you listening to me? Come on, are you listening to me? Oh my God, last month I said, when was the last time you bought a shoe for yourself and you thought of your pastor's wife? Did you see that Paul said that me and my wife, that if I also can decide to marry and go with my, my, my wife and you support us as a what? As a couple. Did you see that? And when you have children, you support the family. Because it means that the whole family, either directly or indirectly, the whole family is treading out the corn. You bought a shoe. When was the last time you bought and you bought one for your pastor? When was the last time you bought a shirt for your own child? And you remember, oh, let me buy also. Oh, my pastor's son or my pastor's daughter is also the same time with my own child or my cousin, my nephew, my niece or whatever. Let me also buy for them. When was the last time you did that? Because when we talk of partnership, it's not just partnership for the work. It's also partnership for the man who runs the ministry. Because the ministry is hinge on him. If he breaks down, the ministry breaks down. Come on, talk to me. Come on, talk to me. You know, one time Benny Hinn said something. He said, God woke him up one morning and said, Benny. <laughs> he said, God told him, Benny. He said, very soon your ministry is going to come to an end. And he said, he said, why? He said, because very soon you are going to die. And he said, why am I going to die? He said, because you are not taking care of yourself. He says, so when you die, that's the end of the ministry. <laughs> that was the point Ben started, Ben he started going for checks, checkups and, you know, doing exercise and all of that, you know, at, at that point, because <laughs> he, God, he, like God just woke him up to reality. You go soon die. You, you soon die. You go just waste. Ministry, ministry, you go soon die. Because the ministry runs on the man of God. He said in Romans chapter 10, I think verse 11. He said, how will they preach if they have not been sent? How will they preach if they have not been sent? And how will they hear if there is no preacher? If there is nobody to tell them, how will they hear? Oh, are you listening to me? 
For those of you who are listening online, who are here physically in Akure Church, in Kuala Church, and all our followers all over the line, have you been tremendously blessed? If you have been tremendously blessed by this house, or by my ministry, glory to God. When was the last time you felt that the man who has blessed me so much, when was the last time I thought of being a blessing to him? I'm not talking of the ministry. I'm not talking of giving to Love's Domain Family Assembly. I'm talking of giving to the man who runs the ministry. Are you listening to me? I don't like to do this, but I got to do it. <laughs> Praise God. Now, where are we? When verse 12. Now, let's read. Aha. Verse 12. He said, and if you have supported others, don't we have don't we rightfully deserve this privilege even more? Can you see Paul? Can you see Paul? Paul was saying that if you have supported others, we that we were the you are the proof of our apostleship. Has it don't you think that we even deserve more support? Don't you think so? He said, but as you know, we haven't used that right. This is where I love Paul. He said that right. See, we have a right to lay demand on you. Oh, are you listening to me? There was a time I needed money and I placed a call to somebody. I told my wife before placing the call. My wife said, ah, don't, don't. And I said, hey, my friend, stop that. I said, I know I have a right to lay demand on that person. I have a right to lay demand. Except that person does not understand that I have a right to lay that demand. But I have a right according to the word of God to lay the demand on that person. Because if I've blessed you spiritually, Paul said, I have a right to your carnal things. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Have a right to it. He said, and even more than those people that you are given to. He said, but as you know, we have not used that right. We have not because we have that right, like some people do. Now begin to lay demand. You get what I'm talking about? He said, you know, man of God, as a only, you know, we are the resident pastor in Lagos Church, okay? And I'm the senior pastor, right? Okay. You know, next week is my birthday. I need a C GL450. Must be packed outside for my birthday. Ah, man of God, do we do it? I don't know. I've sown to use preachers. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I believe you know there are people who do that. Come on, talk. I believe you know there are people who do that. There are men of God who do that. There are men of God who tell you, go and, go and bring so so seed and come and sow it. And he said, man of God, I don't have to go and borrow it. So go and borrow. And pe those people will go and borrow. And it's interesting that people like such places. Do you, do you, do you realize that? People like such places. So go and borrow and place, it, place the seed at the apostles' feet. Hallelujah. And you go and borrow. You can sow at the apostles' feet. And after sowing, the, the reaping that you expect does not come. Those are the people who now later begin to fight the church because of giving. Because they were manipulated. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But it's actually right of the man of God. But Paul said that right, we didn't misuse it all. When it comes to us, we did, not, we did not use that right. Instead, we have continued to support ourselves so that we will never be an hindrance to the spread of the gospel of Christ. He said we didn't use that. He said instead we have been finding ways to support ourselves so that we will not be so much burden to you. 
So that that kind of thing that happens to that man that now says that I've been sowing seed, I've been sowing seed, but nothing is happening. And they now begin to fight the body of Christ. They begin to fight pastor. So that those kind of things do not happen. Paul said because of that, we've been finding ways to support ourselves. And that's why we do what we do. But it's so clear from this scripture that it was only Paul and Barnabas that were supporting themselves. Peter, James, John, Philip, Nathaniel, all the other apostles committed their entire life to the gospel and they were supported by the people around them. And the model did not just start in the New Testament. It started from the Old Testament because the people who were Levites served in the temple and they were not permitted to work. Every other person works and brings a 10% of what they earn from their work to support the temple and to support the priests. That was the whole system. And even under the new, we still found apostles who were still operating in that dimension. So for people who feel all pastors should go get a job, obviously they've not read this scripture. Or are you listening to me? You know, one time, can you get on the keyboard for me so I begin to round it? One time I made a post and I said, if every one of us have to wake up by 4 a.m. in Lagos, rush to work and come back 11 p.m. and wake up 4 a.m., come back 11 p.m. without nobody committing themselves fully to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that was the way it was from the moment Jesus ascended into the heavens, huh? the gospel would never have got into Africa. If there were no people, even the Paul that people claim worked, you would understand that it was a business that was running based on his needs. It was not a business that he was running consistently and continuously. He was running the tent-making business based on, his, on the needs that arose for him personally at every point in time. Because if it was a business that he was running consistently, then what would have happened to those businesses? Those times he was jailed. Come on, talk. What would have happened? The business would have crashed. So you will find out that tent-making for him was a skill he must have learned somewhere. And every time there was a need, it just deployed that need. I mean, deployed that talent or that gift to quickly make some money to support himself at that time instead of laying a demand on the church. But somehow it looks as if because he was supporting himself, the Corinthian church were not taking it for granted. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So he needed to address the issue. That if you support others that are not working and we that are working to support ourselves that have not taken advantage of though we have sown to you spiritual things we must recall your carnal things he said don't don't just don't just look at us and just leave us alone we also have a right we also have a right and this morning for people who are listening from all anywhere all over the world you may have your own local church and you have your pastor. When was the last time you bought something for your pastor? Like I said, this partnership message for this month and last month is not about the ministry, but the minister that runs the ministry. Because upon the one who runs the ministry is inch the vision. How far the vision goes depends on him. 
Whether the vision will live or die depends on him. Our fight will run depends on him. When he runs out of energy, you find out the ministry runs out of energy. Most ministries even end immediately the founder dies. Most ministries, go, go check it out. Go check it out. And that's why the minister, the, it's, it's of necessity to support the minister that runs the ministry under which you serve or which you congregate to be blessed. Can we rise to our feet this morning? I say yes, oh yes, to your will and to your way. I say yes, oh yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes. Oh, yes. I say yes. Oh, yes. Come and lift up your hands to your will and to your way. I'll say yes. Oh, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree And my answer will be yes Oh yes Oh I'll say yes I'll say yes Oh yes To your Come on lift up your hands as you sing it Next to 